0: of the most favorite texts that Christians like to hear. There is no greater theology than what we are dealing with, and t- Christians around the world line up longing to understand with greater depth the doctrine of giving. <laughs> so uh, that's where we're at. Second Corinthians chapter 8, first eight verses we've been moving through. We've, had, uh, we've been going at this since about May, I think. I had to remove some of the preconceived notions. So if you would, follow with me the reading of the Word of God, verses 1 through 8, and then we'll ask God to teach us. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation for the support of the saints." And this not as we had expected. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that he had previously made a beginning so that he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything in faith, in utterance, in knowledge and in all earnestness and in love, we inspired in you. See that you abound in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. Father, give us ears to hear. Father, um, set aside our preconceived notions. And Father, let us see the glory of Christ. We've been singing these glorious hymns over the last few weeks and months. That brings focus to you and you alone. And Father, as we do that, I pray that our hearts are set right. And Father, we understand that our giving is because of your grace and your grace alone. May we be overwhelmed by your grace and may that flow forth in the amazing things that you've already done, but yet, Father, the amazing things that are yet to come. Help us, Lord. Help us rest in these assurances. Help us be overwhelmed by these assurances. And Father, help us. As one of the richest nations ever on the planet, step up to the plate. May we sow bountifully because we have already reaped bountifully. Father, let us understand that principle. Let us understand it as the Philippians, the Macedonians, it is all yours. We give liberally. and We urge and we beg to give more. Thank you, Father. Let us understand that you will supply all of our needs in Christ Jesus. Amen. We've been working our way through this. Um, I want to take you to another text on giving because uh, I have kind of been dealing with the New Testament church giving. Okay, I think we've, some of you haven't been here, but some have been here, you understand. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, make sure that you understand what I just said. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Christians are to tithe. Okay, it's not in there. And people will tell me, well, the Jews tithe. Well, actually, no, they didn't. Uh, they, if you look at what they had to give and when they had to give, between the temple tax, uh, the seven-year tax, the gleanings of the fields tax, um, and all the rest of it, it actually comes out to about 25%. And if you look at it through the biblical times, you can go pre-Moses or after Moses. Okay, it's always the same. Okay, when the tithe is offered up, it is a tax. And it is for the support of the government. That's why Jesus said, pay your taxes. All right? So we got that all clear. Giving in the church is voluntary. Is voluntary. The Apostle Paul, we, if, if we remember Corinthian text, chapter 7 says, you know what? The relationship has been restored. Now, let's get on with the important things. Back to the offering that was supposed to go to Jerusalem. You've been in the process of collecting this every first day of the week, the Lord's Day. That would be Sunday to you and me. You've been doing it for a year. I'm getting ready to take this collection to the precious saints in Jerusalem. Let's get back at it, okay? But I want to show you something because I believe giving, and I've gone through this at length, that giving what you give... Is a direct barometer of your spiritual condition. Okay? And I didn't just come up with that because I want to raise. Okay? I came up with that because Jesus taught more on giving and the illustration of giving than he did anything. Why? Because that showed a change of heart. All right? So I'm going to take you to your favorite Bible story. Okay? Those who were raised in the church, you heard this. When you were this tall, because you was as tall as Zacchaeus. Luke 19, verse 1. He entered Jericho, passing through. There was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. Okay? The phrase there, the chief tax collector, means that his area, he was the grand poobah over all the tax collectors. Okay, so he kind of run the system. All right. If you were a tax collector at the writing of the New Testament, you were an outcast. It's sort of like, uh, you know, my neighbor over here, he's my best friend. He works for the IRS. Well, don't tell him my name. (laughs) He would be to the Jews a traitor. I shared with you last week, at the time of Christ's ministry, the Jews still had the theocracy intact. Okay, so what Moses had written that the Jews were supposed to give to the support of the temple and the Jewish government was still intact. But the Jews were truly blessed among men because they were occupied by the Romans, so they had to pay the Romans tax too. This made them all mad. They didn't want to pay the Roman tax. And I went through that last week. He was a chief tax collector. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd. And he was small in stature. I think there's a little song about that. A little Zacchaeus, something like that. Yeah, whatever. I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't get that. (laughs) Okay. I just remember somebody singing it one time. and I was like, who made that up? Anyway. So he ran on ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree. And I always thought that was fascinating because he climbed into a sycamore tree. Here is the grand poobah of tax collectors and he's climbing up in the tree so he can see. That's, isn't that humbling? I don't know what that is at. I mean, look, the tax, cut the tree down. no. He climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. I must stay at your house. How the crowd must have been offended by that. He's going to go stay at the chief tax collector's house. Really? Why would he do that? Doesn't he understand that they are robbing from the seed of Abraham to give to a bunch of pagan Romans? He hurried down and he received him gladly. When they saw that, they began to grumble. Duh. That's not in the Bible. I just... (laughs) (laughs) They all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Okay? Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor and if I have defrauded anyone, anything, I will give back four times as much. Okay, now you know what's key about that verse is? Jesus didn't say tithe. Jesus didn't tell him to give anything. Anything. The Lord has it figured out. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. How did he know he was saved? Let me ask you a question. When you were saved, did you give 50%? He understood what happened. Zacchaeus did. I have eternal life. Whoa! Whoa! And if I've defrauded anybody, I'll pay them four times back what I've defrauded them. And if he was the chief of the tax collectors, I imagine he had very accurate ledgers. And he could go back and trace that. But the key that I wanted you to see here is that he broke forth with just the privilege of being saved. And he gave 50% just like that. I watch these rock stars and all these people when Hurricane whatever shows up or earthquake or force fire or Tornado Bob or whatever. It happens and they all say, well, I'll do a free concert and everybody that buys a ticket, we'll give it to them. That is having absolutely no effect on their lives. They're going to go do a free concert. Is it going to be a 13 hour concert? What is it going to be? They're not giving. Why don't you just give 50% of your personal possessions, Bruce Springsteen? That would probably be more than the concert's going to raise. I grew up with a concert. Some of you may or may not know it. It's called the Concert for Bangladesh. Bangladesh had had a, a normal weather pattern. And there was flooding, and people were starving to death, and everything was being washed away. George Harrison, one of the Beatles, decided he 'd call on all of his buddies, and they would do a concert they 'd do a movie, and they 'd do an album. I don't know what 's an album? but anyway, it used to be these big things, so' sort of us guys who can, still can 't see and they had they brought the guns out I mean, you go look at the list of performers that performed on that. Uh, it will absolutely blow you away. They raised for the concert of Bangladesh about seventeen million dollars, which in nineteen seventies a little more money. Okay, do you know how much of that made it to the nation of Bangladesh? Zero. They were sued. <laughs> they got sued, and they couldn't distribute the money. They hadn't got the right permits to do the concert. They had not get this. They didn't do that. None of the money ever made it out. And they even, George Harrison was sued for about 10 years for the uh, uh, publishing rights for the album set. And, you know, he was selling the albums. And you got Eric Clapton. I mean, there's guys there. You're sitting there going, all of these guys on one stage together. And um, now there's some weird stuff. Ravi Shankar was there. and I bet I can play a sitar. Because <laughs> I've listened to it. Really? <laughs> but can you play that same tune again? <laughs> that's, that's the thing. But, uh, you know, so, the, but I look at that and I think by the time the legal fees were done, it was like in the mid-90s, about $125,000 was released. Okay, but that gave birth to the benefit concerts. Something bad happens, let's have a benefit concert. I will play for free. Okay, and that's a sacrifice. Why? See, Zacchaeus steps up and says, I will give you half of everything I've got. And according to Luke's text, it says he was rich. So that was a lot of money. But he also understood that salvation had come and his heart has changed. Your giving should be out of your heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. But you're also warned, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And it is spontaneous. Jesus didn't set Zacchaeus down and says, Now, if you want salvation, I want 50%. He didn't set Zacchaeus down and say, You need to go pay the temple tax. He didn't tell him anything like that. He watched a man's heart change, and his heart said, Here's what I'm going to do. And if you think about it, you can tell the attitude of your heart, the action of your heart, just go through the register of your checkbook. You can see how you're acting. You can see what's priority in your life. Back to Second Corinthians. We've looked at this in, in two two spots. We had looked at because see the Apostle Paul gives us an illustration here. Um, one of the best ways to teach is through illustration, and so he's teaching it on the Macedonians. The Macedonians were in the poor, the very very poor. Of the Greek peninsula. Mas- uh, G- Greek peninsula is cut into two. The, the top half of it is the Macedonians. That's where a guy named Alexander the Great showed up from. Okay. The southern half is down where you got Athens and Corinth. And that's Achaia. Okay. Now, those were the affluents. Okay. The, 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 the Olympics were where? In Athens. So you had, that's, that's where the affluent people were. And so he's telling the Corinthians, who had the Isthmian games, which were to compete with the Olympic games. And anyway, so they've got all of this going on. They've got all this money coming in. And then you've got these poor people in Macedonia. You basically have three churches. Church in Philippi, Thessalonica, and the Bereans. Okay? And it says, by grace, God's grace, they gave. And it was never based on their circumstances, verse 2, under a great deal of affliction, deep poverty. But they gave with joy. Why? The word there you see, liberality, single-focused. Think about that for a second. If you're single-focused, what do you do with your money? Okay, one of the, listen, we got an industry that, you know, I, I can kind of argue with some of this. The, the New Testament didn't have the, an industry that is out there killing us. It's called advertising. Everything you've got to have is a need. You've got to have a new one. You know, I thought if you could get a, a, a can, an aerosol can of new car smell, and you just use it every three months, you won't be buying very many new cars. still smells. Oh, it's getting a little stale. Let's put the spray in there. And I would probably be a wealthy man. Yeah, maybe not. They gave out of their poverty. They were generous. They gave of their own ability. They were sacrificial and they were as purely voluntary. They were not under obligation. Last week, we looked at it in verse 4. He says that the Macedonians begged us. They pleaded with us. With much urging, with much exhortation. They were unrelenting. We want to help more. See, that's my goal. To get you guys to beg to give more. I have my work cut out for me. Why? They wanted the favor of participation and the support of the saints. So I show you those pictures. I look at those three ladies that go to the orphanages day in and day out, and those little kids, a lot of them are handicapped. A lot of them have health issues, and they've been abandoned. Some of them in Russia it's kind of weird. If your mom and dad are drunks, the Russian government take your kids. And you don't get a, they don't give you a trial or a hearing. If if you've got several been arrested for public intoxication or drunk. Well, not, very few have a car. But if you've, you've had that a couple of times, they find out you've got kids. Them kids are gone. And all they do is throw them in an orphanage. Okay? That's all they do. Okay? If you have a child born and it has uh, anything from a cleft lip to downs to, you know, anything like that, it um, goes to the orphanage. The parents don't want it. We don't have the resources to take care of this. So goes the orphanage. So here you've got these castaways, children, and you've got these three women who are spending day in and day out trying to reach these kids for Christ. Okay? And that little breathing machine, I think it's about seven hundred fifty dollars here in the United States. They can get it in Russia for a hundred, but they didn't have the money for it. And we ended up buying nine. See, that's, that's a privilege. That is a privilege to watch. You know, I look at these churches, these pictures. Go look at these pictures. I want you to look at them. I want you to look at Pastor Paul's church. It's the lime green walls. Okay, it looks like a bad swimming pool. Okay, but go look at those churches. And I want you to look at the number of people are in there and think about this. We are their only support for that church. And they got a few hundred, three hundred, four hundred people in the churches. Go look at the gospel parades that they've got to these other churches out there and the roads that they're doing. And it is you and I who are sending our money monthly that has helped support that. We'll be getting reports here on the summer camps um, that we're going through July and August in Orel. And that's all geared for kids who have never heard the gospel. Okay? And the church does it. We pay for the food and the Bibles that are given out. That should thrill us. That should bring us great joy. Because you know what? This town right here is tough hoeing. I can go get a comedian. Maybe I can get Eric Clapton to come in and play Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. I'll pack it. If that don't work, I'm going to get a big screen TV, a bucket full of beer and free hot dogs, and we'll watch the Broncos. And we'll call it evangelism. That's the only thing that works in this town. Don't ever call them to take up their cross and deny themselves. And yet, I go look at these countries, they don't have anything else. They don't have anything else. They were begging to support the saints. Okay. Which brings me to one of my hot button issues. Verse 5. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Okay. The phrase you see in the original language, and this is referring to, I want to go a little farther into the Macedonian giving. I want to go a little deeper into what it is they're doing. I want you to look a little closer at the Macedonian example. It's like, by the way, there's another thing about their giving. And this is actually beyond everything else. He makes the statement, we did not expect this. Okay? It's it's not as we had expected. And he says there, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. Okay? They first gave themselves to the Lord. This is more than we expected. This is more than we asked. Remember what I told you the word liberality means? Single-focused. Single-focused. When you look in our lives right now, you live in two spheres of influence. Okay? Every one of you. Okay? You have the eternal sphere and you have the temporal sphere. Okay? Being that we are creatures of senses, okay, It is easy for us to motivate and move around in the temporal sphere. But it's also easy for us to be swayed in the temporal sphere. We we have all of these things, and we'll hang cool terms on them. It's just a distraction. It's just this. It's a little bit of that. Uh, It's not really that big a deal. I've already taught you that God created everything we have to enjoy it. Okay, but it shouldn't be our master. Okay, if you look at us today, on average, who's our master? Okay, these are kinds of things that I want you to think about. The Macedonians had a single focus. Very, very poor. Okay, um, a lot of mining in Macedonian region: silver and gold, uh, nickel and bronze. Okay, but what happens is all of the minerals went to Rome. Okay, if they used a smelter, there was a tax on the smelter. So basically, if you remember the old country and western song, I owe my soul to the company store, you got a job, but you ain't making nothing. And yet, out of that deep poverty with their normal taxes, they still gave sacrificially. They gave beyond what was their. Ability. Why? They had a single focus. Paul says, we were hoping for an offering, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Let me tell you something. This is a fact and you can bank on it. When you do that, you will give everything you have, but not until you do that. When they gave themselves for the Lord, all to the Lord, then all they made was then disposable. It was dispensable. They didn't hold on to it. They were holding on to one thing and one thing only. The Lord. You've heard the text. He will supply all of your needs in Christ Jesus. What book is that in? Philippians. Oh, wait. Isn't Philippi in Macedonia? It was all available. Every stick, coin. Listen, when you give yourself, it all comes with the giving. But you have to give yourself first. Okay, the word first there has nothing to do with time. Okay. The word first there in the original language is it is a priority. It's first. It's first. When our country goes into a recession and people start losing their job, who gets cut back on first? You know what? I lost my job. I've only got 99 weeks of unemployment. I better not give to Jesus because you know, he still has all them cows in them thousand hills. Or is that a thousand cows on a hill? Whichever. He's got those already. He doesn't need my buck 85. The priority of the Macedonians were the things of God. He knew that the saints, they knew that the saints in Jerusalem were struggling. They were poor. They were poorer than the Macedonians. They were outcasts. what he says they gave of themselves to the lord the leading issue proton gave self to the lord that was the leading issue primary thing first thing first this is the perfect now listen this is the perfect Okay. This is the supreme act of worship. Well, why do you say that? Well, I'm glad you asked. I, I hear a lot of stuff today about worship. Okay? And those of you who know me well know that I just sort of, it's sort of like the the fingernails on a chalkboard. Okay? I have other terms, but I'm thinking that this is recorded. I shouldn't repeat them. The Macedonians are worshiping. And I know they were worshiping because of what they were giving Okay, I'm going to take you to a text that is often... We like to use it, but I don't think... At best, we're abusing it. Um, If not, we're just confused about it. It just sounds so cool that I'll just say this. Romans 12. Romans 12. 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to god which is your spiritual service of worship is the greek syntax there mean the band is that what he's saying there is it contemporary or traditional no, it's godly. I hear people, well, I worship on Sunday. I don't see a day in that one. I don't see a day in that. We were created to worship. Look at us. I mean, look at lost people. Uh, you can have a Sunday afternoon snowstorm, piled up this deep and somebody got a wind chill of minus five and 76,000 people are going to go sit in long underwear. What? You know, they don't have heated seats in that place. And every time I go, we get slaughtered. I guess somebody gave me a free ticket and I was like, what do you mean we're down by 41. That's every time I've been there. We got a new record point spread at Mile High Stadium. Well, I feel blessed. But they're worshiping. When we give ourselves as the offering, we worship. Let me tell you something. I love you all dearly. Um, If you're not doing that, you've never worshiped. Uh, Not my fault. Paul wrote it. When we offer ourselves all that we are, all that we ever hope to be, it is unconditional and it is unreserved. In my Bibles, you always know my Bibles, they have three phrases in there, no reserves, no retreat, no regret. You'll know that's my Bible. If you open it up to the cover and it says no reserve, no retreat, no regret, you know that's Terry's. You know, my kids think I'm joking when I say I'm going to leave with a zero-sum game. I came in with zero. I plan on leaving with the exact amount. Oh, Dad. <laughs> they think I'm kidding. How many Have you known in your life that says that all that I am, all that I ever hope to be is unconditionally and unreserved to God? until that happens there will not be worship I don't care what the contemporary music is I don't care whether you know what I was reading an article one time about a a Presbyterian pastor took over a church in the highlands of Scotland and looked at his church membership he had like 15,000 members and on Sunday morning he had like 9 and he said what I'm going to do is I'm going to start visiting all these people I'll find out who's dead and I'm going to go to every one of these guys houses these families houses and ask them why ain't they in church and so he did. And he went to this one guy's house. And over in the corner, he had a couple of guitars sitting on a little guitar rack. And he says, so you have you play music? He says, yeah, I play music. And he says, well, why don't you come to church on Sunday and, you know, play your guitar? And he says, well, you know, I might do that. A couple of weeks went by. And then all of a sudden, one Sunday, this guy comes walking in with his guitar. He's like, wow, good to see you and all the rest of it and how you doing whatever. And he sat down and played Amazing Grace on the guitar. And everybody just. Okay. Guy's name was Eric Clapton. Imagine that was a pretty good rendition of amazing grace. But see, it's not worship. That's what we call worship now. That is not the Macedonian way. The Macedonian way is. They presented their bodies as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God. We are to lay ourselves on the altar. You got to put your hopes away. You got to put your plans away. What's God's plan? What does God want with this clay pot? I hear people tell me semi-regularly. I give it all up to God. All of it. Everything that I am, everything that I have, and everything that I hope, you give to God. See, the key to this thing is, is sacrifice. Do you understand what that word means? It is something dear to you. Sacrifice isn't saying, you know, I need to get a new TV. I'll give the old one to the church. That ain't sacrifice. That's tax receipt. That ain't sacrifice. Hey, I'm going to get a new TV and I'm going to give it to the church. I don't know why. But see the difference? I am a living Sacrifice. Let me ask you a question. You go through yours. Don't look at your wife or your your husband or your kids or anything like that. I want you to ask yourself a question. What's important to you? To you, you personally. Then the second part. You guys all know me now. He always has a second question. I hate answering the first one because it always comes and blindsides me. Are you willing to give it up? Once you give yourself as a sacrifice and all that you are and all that you have as a sacrifice, then you know what happens? Everything else follows. We quote it. Someone, we run into a friend or a loved one who's struggling through something. We look at him and we smile real big. And we say, oh, just seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all things will be added unto you. As long as I don't have to do it. See, that's where the Macedonians were. The Macedonians freaked me out. I've been going through, I'm doing kind of an overview on sanctification on Sunday night, dealing with 1 Thessalonians. I've been spending a little more time uh, in the book of Acts, dealing with the Bereans and, and of course, uh, Philippians. They're amazing people. When I am willing to give myself as that sacrifice, and all that you are and all that you have and all that you hope for, and all of your plans, then I know that everything else follows. When we hear people say, I am yours, Lord. Is it all? Is all of it yours, Lord? Is it completely all yours, Lord? Is everything I possess yours, Lord? Everything that I plan yours, Lord? Once you have done that Guess what You have worshipped But you can't do it before that You can give him lip service You know what You can get excited and sing with your hands up And wave sway back and forth And I'm worshipping You can turn the music up loud And the lights down low You can burn you a handful of candles But until you lay it all out there And say here all yours and you know what Zacchaeus did it he gave half Here's, yeah yeah sure right there wow cool I'm saved here if I've cheated anybody four times back okay now a little footnote I'll give you just a heads up a little warning I have found in my own personal life and my study of the book too That this is not a one-time deal. Okay? You have to do this over and over and over and over and over and so on. No sooner than you put yourself up on God's altar, you want to crawl off. Why? He wants a living sacrifice. And living sacrifices tend to be impatient on the altar. The Macedonians' first priority was the giving of themselves. And everything else followed after that was dealt with. The supreme act of worship. Verse 2, Romans 12. And do not be, here's our problem, conform to this world. Okay. The word conform there is a, a metallurgy word and it literally means to press molten into a mold and form it into an image that you want. They would have used it for the making of coins with Caesar's face on it. You pour it in there and then you press it tight so there ain't no air bubbles in it. And he's saying, Don't be pressed into the world's mold. Okay, Why? You're going to be a living sacrifice. You can't be in the world's mold. Don't be conformed. Listen, how easy? Okay, now, do your own evaluation. I'm going to let you ask yourself this. How easy is it to be sucked up In the materialistic realm. See, if you're going to be a living sacrifice, then you cannot be consumed by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You can't do it. It's impossible. You have to be transformed, it says. But be transformed. How? How can I be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. You need to think another way. Instead of thinking of the worldly things, you need to think of the heavenly things. We are told to have the mind of Christ. Set your affections on the things above. Why? So you can prove What the will of God is. There are people running around completely useless in kingdom work because they are so attached to so many things. They can't tell what is God's plan and what ain't God's plan. How many people have I seen in my 30 years who walk forward saying, I'm going to go do this. Lord, I hope you bless it. Instead of saying, Lord, what would you have me do? As long as I... You know what? I, I watch people who deal with ministry things and vacations and I can look at them and I can tell which they spend the most energy on. We want a ministry that goes down and builds... I, I remember talking to a youth guy who was gathering up a bunch of kids to, we were going to go build foundations for churches in Mexico. Two weeks. This is going to be awesome for these kids. Cool. So they lay one week, they put this foundation down, cement block, dig a little ditch, put a cement block in it, cement a couple of them together and we're done. They had a week of water skiing. You defeated yourself. You absolutely defeated yourself. I watched youth in Russia, snow piled up this high, you walked around, felt like you were in trenches everywhere you went. Colder and be geezies, However cold that is. And I remember one morning, about four thirty in the morning, I looked down in the fellowship hall out of my little apartment window, and the room was full of kids at four thirty in the morning. I walked down there, my interpreter is down there, and I said, uh, "What in the world is going on?" He says, "Well, the junior high kids are teaching the middle uh, school kids how to memorize Galatians, and the senior high kids are working with the junior high kids, giving them the interpretation of Galatians." What? How did they get here? They walked. Do you know that nobody turned the heat on outside? What's important to him? He says, you should bring your youth group over. <laughs> no, I shouldn't. Do we know what the good will that is pleasing and perfect to God is and acceptable. What pleases God totally? You know what it does? It's easy. I just gave it to you sacrifice of self. Okay, now please understand the word sacrifice. Because we all say, I gave myself to Jesus. Does he know it? Well, let me guess. He didn't interrupt the package. We are a royal priesthood, Peter tells us. And we are offering up holy sacrifices. Go read Malachi and looked at what happened when Israel decided they're not going to give God the best. Because, you know, we've got to keep the line, the bloodline's clean in our herds and we don't so we'll give God the maimed the crippled the blind animals because you know he's not really that big a care because see that ain't no sacrifice and God says guess what I ain't talking to any of you for 400 years there are people walking around in the church today who are deaf as opposed to the things of God because they have not sacrificed First itself, all we have, and the Macedonians did it. Okay, the requirement is don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world and transform your mind. Spiritual, godly way of thinking. What? Reject the world, accept the mind of Christ. The commitment to His will. Am I committed to His will? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Really? You really want that? Reject the world, accept. Because if I commit to His will, then I'm looking for His plans. I'm looking for His purposes. I'm looking for His pleasures. That is what the Macedonians did. What? They gave it all. It was all the Lord's. We all say that. Well, it's all His. They understood that they were just stewards, though. So. They were all... All they were and all they possessed produces a generous, sacrificial giving. That's why I told everybody, you know, we got a, I ordered a hundred Emmanuel's Child stars and everybody says, well, we can't sell that many. Why not? Start putting the money back now. They're twenty-five dollars a piece. Maybe you'll have to sacrifice a Starbucks. I don't know. Okay, don't one Starbucks twenty-five dollars? Maybe two. <laughs> I don't know. I've had one Starbucks in my life and thought, what is the big deal? I mean, it's, of course, I didn't get a latte mocha cappuccino whatever. If I can't pronounce what I'm offering, I just want a coffee. They said, well they have pumpkin spice. Why? <laughs> Somebody spill something? What what happened? I don't know. Brothers and sisters, I, I share this with you because biblical view of giving is giving is worship. Okay? And What you give to the eternal things is a view of your worship or lack of the stuff that I see in the body of Christ today that is called worship is not sacrificial, nor is it not. It is conformed to the world. This is what the world says. And. Now, I'm not a theologian. I'm definitely not a Greek scholar. But when I look at the definition of blasphemy, it says to say something about something that ain't true. That's blasphemy. An awful lot of our worship is blasphemy. And I pray that all of you don't step into that boat. But now you're all guilty of knowing what true worship is. Aren't you glad I helped? Okay, And if you're not doing that, that's between you and him. That's between you and him. I've had three or four different pastors, four different pastors tell me you cannot teach Christians not to tithe. He says you try to teach them to tithe and then anything above that is more generosity. And I said, I understand your premise for that, but it's not biblical. Give voluntarily, proportionate. But what you got, I mean, some of us got more money than others in this room. Give to what you got. But I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm closing it with prayer. Do you worship? And I showed you there's only one way to worship. And I, te- I will tell you this right now once you accept that, you will know a freedom that you have never comprehended. But it will not happen until you say, not my will, yours be done. Father, to your glory and praise, thank you. Thank you for the Macedonians. Father, thank you that even today, 2013, there is a strong, vibrant church in Thessalonica. I still stand in all of that. Your name has never left that area because of the hearts of those people. That's... What an awesome God. Father, may we, each and every one of us, called by your name, be sacrificial. Father, understand that it ain't about us now. It ain't about what we want. It ain't our powers. It ain't our passions. It's yours. Father, may, if we need to be worked on, Father, do it through the vigor of your Holy Spirit, the power and the authority of your written word. And Father, May your glory be seen through your people. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping in spirit and in truth. And Father, may we become known as the Macedonians. To your glory and praise. Amen.